I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of On Deck with Stancy is brought to you by Podmetrics. Whether you're a rookie at podcasting or a veteran or a super expert or somebody who's just doing it for fun since we have a little bit more extra time now that we're all stuck at home, you can actually use Podmetrics to know so much more about your show and who you're able to reach. You can get information like who's listening, where they are, what their profiles are like, even their listening habits. Podmetrics can take care of all of that and more so you can focus on creating better content. You can even integrate Podmetrics with Facebook and YouTube so you can get more data from your live streams. So if you're a podcaster or you want to start your own podcast, go check out podmetrics.co. Once again, that is podmetrics.co and sign up for free. So whether you've got hundreds of episodes under your belt or you're trying to figure out how to get from episode 1 to episodes 2, 3, 4, 100, 150, and beyond, Podmetrics can help you get to know your show and your listeners that much better. You can check it out today and sign up at podmetrics.co. Once again, that's podmetrics.co. And you can use my referral code on deck. That's O-N-D-E-C-K, just one word. And you can get a head start into the wonderful world of Podmetrics. Welcome to On Deck with Stan C. This podcast is produced and presented by Podcast Network Asia. On the show, I aim to tell the real stories of the real people behind the mic. And for this week, I'm so excited for you to hear the story of my friend and co-DJ at Wave 89.1, Angela G. Angela moved here to the Philippines from the US in 2015, and since then, he's made a career for himself as a radio DJ, club DJ, consultant for the city of Taguig, a chef, a teacher, an events host, and so much more. But what impresses me the most is the humility and self-awareness he's had to understand that even though he is a Filipino-American, he is still technically somebody who didn't grow up in the Philippines and doesn't fully understand the nuances of Filipino culture or just the way things go around here, for better or for worse. We talk a lot about that and try to unpack those issues from both perspectives, from my perspective as a local and his perspective as a Filipino who grew up in the States and then migrated here for work. It's a really interesting and insightful conversation with Angela G, and that is on deck. Before we get there, though, I want to take this time to remind you once again that voter registration is open and it will continue to be open for the next 11 months and change. So please go ahead and register to vote. I've been saying this since voting registration reopened. The 2022 national elections could very well be the most important election of your lifetime. So please go ahead and register to vote. And if you need the quick, simple steps on how to register and be a voter, then check out VotePilipinas.com. Again, that's VotePilipinas.com. 
they're not shilling me to say this. I just really care about people having a voice and using that voice to vote come 2022. So please do it and do it right now. It's time for me to talk to this week's guest. So here he is. Angela G is on deck. Do a podcast enough and soon or sooner or later somebody will probably say I've been waiting to get an invitation on the podcast and I would take that as a compliment that somebody actually cares enough to want to get on the podcast so I reached out we made it happen and here he is so please welcome the great Angela G one of my co-DJs on wave how's it going brother Hey man, I love the intro. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, and I was super excited when you told me that you wanted me to be on your podcast. I was like, "Yes, finally the invite from Stan." So, I'm really excited to be here. Salamat, dude. I'm uh, noticing that sweet new tattoo on your left arm. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. Yes, just got it uh, last week. Yeah, ninggit nga ako eh, because um, I've been, uh, I-, I wanted to get some new ink done this year. But obviously, mm-hmm. with the pandemic going on, yeah. uh, we're all just stuck at home. And then there's right. that worry pana if I come into contact with people and then a- an open wound and everything. So, <laughs> what's the story, really quickly, of, of that new uh, tattoo? Well, so I uh, actually, this is my second one that I've got past uh, the quarantine. I've just really been wanting to get inked for the longest time. So, originally, what happened was back, uh, my birthday is on March 27th. I, I planned my first ink, this one right here, my rose. Or how can I tilt it right here? This one. Yeah, I see it. The rose um, for my birthday, but then the lockdown happened here in Metro Manila, right? So, you know, I got a call from Patty Chu. She's one of the owners of Arte Tattoo, where I was going to get my ink done. And she said, unfortunately, <laughs> we're shut down because of the restrictions. So, we're going to have to put everything on hold for now. And from there, it was floating. So, I got a message back around June, July that during GCQ that they were slowly reopening and everything was going to be super strict. There's going to be like one person at a time when you get inked. So I said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to take the chance. Uh, I I came in super prepared. I wore my disposable gloves, wore my mask, wore a face shield and everything. So that was back in July. And then, you know, it's what they say. It's super cliche. It only starts with one and you just got to keep going. And I've always wanted my left arm to be inked. So I just went on the second tattoo. Shout out to Charles Arteta who did this one and Went for it. So if ever, I mean, it was it was super safe. I know it's like damn during the pandemic, but I, I did my research and luckily the it was, they treated it like a like a health clinic. It was super sanitized. There was plastic everywhere. The artists are wearing like full on hazmat suits. So it looks like you're getting inked by someone from Among Us. I swear, dude, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who loves playing that game. Um, you know, I, I've been curious about how things have been for you since the pandemic happened. Because yeah, dude. When everything shut down. Uh, in radio, like yeah, our, our lives basically were flipped 180 uh, for yeah. a while. We weren't even going on air. So yeah. I've been curious how you've been um, just coping the past half year. Dude, we've been at home half a fucking year. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's been a long, long fucking time for sure. First of all, I got to say, I, you know, I rarely even get to see you because I know you're in the morning show. We're kind of like the, you know, like bizarre versions of each other. You're in the morning, I'm in the yeah. exact same time slot, but at night, right? So I rarely get to see you. So that alone has been tough, not being able to see you and, and everyone else at Wave. When the pandemic hit, I didn't realize it was going to be for this long. We had it all planned, like, you know, with our boss. He was like, all right, we're going to probably be doing this for, what, five, six weeks? And that was already a long time for us. And right. then e- Easter hits, and we're still locked down. We're still not progressing. And um, what's going on, like, six, seven months now. So I was I had a, t- I had a tough time because uh, I had to be out. Especially, I also spin as well, so I lost a lot of gigs. I'm not alone, I'm sure, with so many other hosts, uh, your host as well, Stan. Yeah. Um, 
you know, hosts, uh, DJing and all that um, took a big hit and had to find other ways to keep yourself sane. Video games helped a lot. I, w- I was doing a lot of video games. Um, yeah, like what type? What, what kept you sane uh, in the video game world? Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare for sure. I mean, I've been playing COD since I was in high school. So luckily the timing was right. And then I um, was able to create a, like a little gaming group called the Hot Dogs. Uh, We've been doing live streams and stuff, so that helped us stay sane. But you can only play video games for so long, dude, and just being stuck at home. So that's what I've been doing mostly. That's how I've been treating it. And then, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, I, uh, I opened up my own food business called OG Pasta, channeling my inner culinary passions and creating homemade pastas every weekend. So send me up if you want any. <laughs> What's it been like uh, figuring out that you, know, you do have this, this flair for the culinary, you do have this talent in the kitchen, and then you yeah. finally get to use it and then monetize it? Um, yeah, dude. Was this something that you would have figured out? You would have figured out had we not been stuck at home. No, um, I started, I guess, getting my feet wet with with selling food back in November of last year when uh, I was invited by my girlfriend to sell some food at uh, this bazaar. It was like a um, international bazaar over in the World Trade Center in Basai. And then I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Put that in the back burner. Then when the pandemic hit, you know, like all of us, we were all trying to find ways to hustle and make more income. So I figured, why not channel that back in again? And I've always been interested in the culinary. Before I even got into broadcasting, my original dream was to be a, a, an executive chef. Oh, wow. So I was job shadowing. I was like hardcore into that. Um, even in middle school, I took um, summer classes for um, for the culinary world. So I was, yeah, I was really deep in that. Grew up watching channels like um, Food Network, Cooking Channel, out here for us in Asia, right? Um, so... It was always in the back of my mind to pursue cooking and then the timing of it with the pandemic. And luckily, I'm in my own control zone, no variables. Luckily, I have a kitchen here and control of the portion sizes, the, the way I handle the, all the fresh ingredients and then deliver it out to you guys whenever you order. So that has been really, really fruitful and I'm really grateful for that. So it's actually something I've always wanted to do and maybe in the long run, I might even, who knows, step, uh, step away from radio and actually pursue this full time because it's just been that great. Yeah. Hey, the, the stepping away from radio talk is a ways away. So before we get to that, let's talk <laughs> yeah, about yeah. stepping into radio. Yeah, I of course. I always started sure, off sure. by asking if you grew up loving the radio, if you had always had these favorite DJs that you listened yeah. to, these career pegs. What was your story <laughs> like? How did you want to get into the business? Uh, well, originally, I got into radio. How do I say this? I fell in love with radio accidentally. My media background is actually more on video production. I've always wanted to be, besides being a chef, I will, I've always actually wanted to be a music video director. I started in video production in high school. We have our, um, our news show at school. I grew up in the States in Los Angeles in this little cookie cutter suburb town called Santa Clarita. It's where Six Flags Badger Mountain is. And the high school I went to is called West Ranch High School. And we had this daily news program where all the students would get their, um, um, you know, daily bulletins for, for what's going on, sports, you name it, just your daily news show. It was called West Ranch TV. And my senior year, my fourth year of high school, my mom kind of pushed me. She's like, you know, you should maybe try it because I was always teasing like, man, that'd be cool if I could uh, be on there reporting the news. So I auditioned. I got in. Luckily, uh, shout out to my teacher then, my advisor, Mrs. Zoe. She was actually the one who kind of got me into media and that's where I started realizing maybe I have a knack for this I was producing a lot of videos and that's when I really got into food combined food and my passion for media and I started hidden gems there which was like a my first food series where I would visit low-key hole-in-the-wall restaurants that was my tagline around Los Angeles and I produced those videos directed them and would air them for our school 
That was wow. like once a once a month. It was like a you know monthly monthly TV series for for students to to look forward to. So then the nicknames came out. People would you know hit me up as Hidden Gems. That was actually my original my original presenter DJ name, Hidden Gems. And I was trying to be cool too. I took out all the vowels in my name, so it was like <laughs> Hidden Gems. No, you should imagine. So now it makes me cringe just thinking about it. Um, and then I went to community college, which is like a two year um, you know two-year college in the states that's how it works and i needed an internship for my second year because i was planning to transfer out so i can get into a four-year university mm -hmm. and uh there was this opening at this local am station called khts am 1220 super conservative radio super uh i mean the demographic it catered to definitely the older crowd okay. but uh i just really wanted the internship i i i needed some sort of media experiences so that i could you know really uh strengthen my resume so signed up got it and then about two weeks in there was this opening from 10 a.m to 12 p.m every morning it was called the most music hour there was no there was no dj presenter there was no one really boarding it was just on automation and i asked the the station owner and i was like excuse me um i just took a shot i was like by any chance i was so curious you know i was just seeing how cool it was being in that booth i, I took a chance and then i was like can i can I just try being on air? Uh, if I mess up, if I fuck up, obviously I tell her, hey, if I fuck up, you know, if you can can me. Uh, <laughs> imagine um, if I mess up, I just wanted to give it a shot if you're willing. And she's like, yeah, why, why not? Come by tomorrow morning and then we'll, we'll give you some headphones and you can try boarding. I sat in that, you know, I always call it the captain's chair because that's some, such an underrated feeling when you are behind the board. I know, Stan, you can attest to that. When you I are love that control, feeling. Best right? feeling in the world. Best feeling, right? You see the board, you're, it's, it's your cockpit, it's, it's, it's your domain and everything. So... Sat back. My first song I've ever introed was Is This Love by Whitesnake. So I put that in. Um, and I turned on that microphone, that red button. And then from there, I was like, damn, this is hella fun. Like my, 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 my pupils dilated. And from there, I was like, okay, radio is something I want to do for the rest of my life. And from there, I used that, <clears throat> that experience at AM1220. I was there for three months for one summer and then transferred to San Francisco State. And I um, enrolled in their broadcasting and electronic communications arts program. So it's different from community com arts. A lot of people get confused. This is really hands-on broadcasting. Talaga. Like our, our classes were like being in a video production room, being in a news production room, being in a, a radio booth. We had our own say radio yeah. station. Yeah, yeah. So very, very hands-on. Super say I met a lot of incredible people and uh, learned a lot there. So I joined that radio station, the, you know, the, the college radio vibes. It was called KSFS Radio. Purely online, though, wasn't FM or anything. And was able to take my hidden gems concept that I told you about in high school that was directly for TV and yeah. made and made an online FM version, if that makes sense. So I combined food and music, invited a lot of Philam producers and DJs to come by the show. It was only for one hour once a week. And from there, uh, it was my last year before I graduated. And I was like, I need another internship so that I can, again, strengthen my resume. CBS Radio had an opening, Alice at 97.3, which is equivalent to like our Jam 88.3 out here. Okay. And, and the only opening they had was the morning show. And I'm not a morning person. So the morning show is this very famous show called um, uh, The Morning Show with Sarah and Vinny. And they were like, these, these two are like rock stars of, of the FM world in the Bay Area. And very intimidating. But then I wanted to get that experience. I went for my first interview with um, Uzette. Uh, she's one of the producers there and got got the internship and then she, she said 
all right, tomorrow I need you here by 4 a.m. And I was like, 4 a.m. God damn. And I was living more in like, um, like the outskirts of San Francisco itself. The radio station, CBS Radio, is located downtown Talaga. So let's put that in Manila perspective. That's like me living. Um, that's like me if I was in Pasig and then I had to take the train to go to like inner where like GMA and ABS-CBN is. So okay. I'm, okay. yeah. To give you guys some context. So then um, I was like, damn, I had to figure out what the, four, I had no car, obviously. I, I was commuting everywhere by train. Yeah, I was about to ask if you had a car or not. No, no, everything was by train over there in, in the Bay Area. So I had to research and everything. And there was only one 40, uh, 24 hour, 24 hour bus system that could get me to Battery Street. That's where it was located. And it would only come once every hour. So if I missed it, voila, nah, like I'm gonna be super late to uh, my call time. So I would wake up at 2.30 every morning for that internship, arrive there by four, get all the coffee for the talents. I'd have to print out all the news, do my research. And then it would vary like each, every other day I would have to um, either transcribe the entire show. It's a talk show. Huh? It's, they barely play music. I would have to transcribe the entire show or I would have to edit, edit audio from the show itself afterwards. And then, um, publish it on their website as a podcast. Kind of like what you do, you know? So why do you need to transcribe the entire show? Exactly. So now that I look back on hindsight, that shit was just fucking busy work, I think. <laughs> just right? <laughs> to give you some shit to actually exactly. do. Exactly. So now, because I think we both work at radio. We've never, I've never asked an intern because I was like, we don't really need that. It, I mean, so now that I think about it, all that, it was just purely to keep me busy. But at the same time, I, I get why they did so that I would pay attention to the show and, um, I learned so much. Um, most of the radio programming flow I learned was from that experience. And I did that for five months while working a part-time job, by the way. So by the time it would hit 10 in the morning, that's when the show would end. I was done. I was done. I would take the train. I've passed out so many times on the train back home, um, back to class, where uh, I, I missed my stop or, you know, it was crazy. So from there, I was like, all right, radio's, uh, radio's cool. I really want to be in that captain's chair one day. And here we are now in Manila. I'm you know, fortunate enough to have a, a radio position here at Wave. <laughs> I want to talk about the training, actually, like uh, the difference between Philippine training and American training. But before yeah, yeah. we get to that, we're going to sure. take a break and hear from our other podcasts here on Podcast Network Asia. Hey there, this is Nikki Torres. Check out Chief Best Friends, a podcast for work besties everywhere. If you've ever wondered whether business and friendship can mix, then this show is for you. This is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia. So I'm really fascinated by the whole thing. Uh, if you never ask, the answer will always be no. Because that's, the, uh, that's something that I've always um, used as a motivation in my career as well. So it's kind of like your story where you saw that there was an open time slot you poked around, you asked the station owner, hey, can I yeah. sit down and can I board? And if I if I mess up, then you can just let go of me, whatever. At least I shot my shot. So yeah, yeah. W- when you got that shot, how did you get trained and who trained you? Um, the training, okay, so going back to the AM. They're, uh, yeah, you can that, generalize it for like yeah, the American style if you want. Now that I think about it, I actually didn't have any sort of formal training, honestly. They just kind of threw me in the fire and let me figure it out for myself. And I think that was a good, harsh way of of having a reality check. Um, and then also at CBS radio, when I was getting trained there, most of the, most of the work, as I mentioned earlier was mostly busy work. And 
the training I got was just purely from observations, Dan. I mean, just taking notes. And I would ask Sarah and Vinny here and there. I'm like, so how, how would it work? But um, they were the type that were very, um, they weren't standoffish or closed, but it was just kind of hard to, to, to get a hold of them privately. And um, as an intern, you know, it, it's tough to find that sort of, uh, you know, sometimes some people don't see eye to eye with you because you're like, oh, you're just the intern. You're just the unpaid intern. But, yeah. uh, you know, you have to find that voice to anyone listening that gets shy or think that thinks that if they're in a business and you're just an intern, it's a stepping stone. So take advantage of it. Um, so that from, that from there, um, I didn't really have that sort of like, Angelo, sit here. This is how you do it. All of my training was mostly from school, really, from my lectures, from being on KSFS radio. Um, now that I think about it, yeah, mostly, mostly everything was self-taught. So um, you asked me if you wanted me to compare it to the Philippine style, right? Yeah, yeah. Because um, I'm not even sure if I've gone into detail on the Philippine style of radio. But, yeah, yeah. Um, the, I, I can't even explain it per se. So I think you're, you'd be in a better position to do <laughs> sure. that. Sure. Since you've experienced the best of both worlds. Like, how yeah. can you compare and good contrast question. Philippine radio and American radio? Okay, so f- good thing the good thing is with Philippine radio, and I'm always thankful for, is that we as a nation and as as consumers of media we like um we like personalities still thank goodness we still like people who, who banter on air so what i've noticed is with program flows on radio programs here there's more cushion for talking more for more banter for more uh, <laughs> cuteness to say the least in uh in in american radio nowadays well, at least now that I remember when I was still back there, everything was so, how would I say it? It was, it's corporate, meaning you, every seven minutes, you'd hear the same song. The radio clock for music programming was so strict. That's why I believe radio in, in the U.S. Um, has really kind of fallen a bit because people got, they got so sick of hearing the same 10 songs at most, 10 a lot, every 15 minutes. It's crazy, 15, 30 minutes. And, you're only allotted, I think, max 30 seconds to talk as an on-air personality. And I know most radio stations in the States, um, they only have maybe top or max four or five radio stations. And I, I can't even imagine how hard it is now, now that there's COVID. Um, so you're more really as a presenter in the U.S. Uh, compared to here, you're really um, a personality. So you, you can have your own following. And if you take care of your show and your craft, you could really have... Um, your own brand more so out here, which is good, which is good. So that was, that's one main big difference. And second, I'll say Stan is the music taste, of course. Out here, you know, you can still play some senti music. You can yeah. still play your slow jams, your ballads, and people love it. Philippines is a great place for, uh, yeah, for senti music. Compared to the States, you play slow jams out of nowhere, like on a pop station. People are like, what the hell is going on? But that's one, really? two good things. Yeah, yeah, it's a big difference. That's for sure. I'm I'm really fascinated by your description when uh, there's a lot of wiggle room here. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, I I never got that. I never got that impression. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I do feel it. Like you know, I've I've gone through several stations that in the right, Manila, right. and right. I I do feel now. Yeah, the wiggle room is something that I that I actually enjoy. Like for me, it helps satisfy my creativity. Like yeah, if yeah. I don't want to play the weekend today, I can choose not to play the weekend because yeah, I yeah. can play a, ho- a whole bunch of other artists. And yeah. you see, when I Every seven minutes, I have to play this one song because it was yeah. dictated by the log. That would drive yeah. me nuts. Yeah, crazy, right? So the wiggle room meaning, um, that's why I was surprised uh, when I was given the platform when I first started at Wave. Um, shout out to Sarge. He was like, all right. He sat me down. He's like, what kind of show do you want? In my head, I was like, uh, I thought this was like just another interview. But then 
He's like, I want you to design, uh, design your show concept, the, the branding, the naming, uh, the song selections, everything. So that for me alone was already uh, a huge uh, creative um, challenge because you're like, yo, create something. In the States, based on experience, there's already set shows or set programming. They'll, they'll hire you as a presenter or an on-air personality, and then you have to adjust to what management or the station will provide you now. So yeah. at least here, like for example, for you, for Morning Takeover, you guys have your Anong Sagot. You guys are able to like really program your own flow. You know, it's under the umbrella of Wave, but you get to you get to produce everything yourself on when you want to do your segments. So that's huge wiggle room. And uh, I know it's great. I know it's, uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough for you. Like, it seems like for us, we're like, we, we, wish, we wish we even had more creativity. But from a, from a bubble I'm telling you and everyone else here in, the, in Philippine radio that um, luckily we actually have great wiggle room. <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah. Because when you think about it, you're not yeah, a DJ. You're not just a presenter. You're also yeah, producer. Yeah. You're also director in a way of your own yeah. show, deba. Right? I mean, like, yeah, we have a generic program director for the radio station, but when it comes to your show, you're really the writer, the producer, the director, and the host. Yes, so you've got four <laughs> jobs that you're juggling all at the yeah, same time. Yeah, dude, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, that's actually uh, another thing. Now that you mention it. Being an under personality and radio jock here in the Philippines means you wear it means you wear multiple hats. So, yeah, like you said, you're right. Yeah, writer, producer, uh, director, you name it, uh, content, everything. Social media guy. Social media there. guy. Oh, tama. Uh, in the states, that's one thing I wish we had here because I know I'm sure it's because of budget reasons. Um, in the states. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When in the states, when you're an honor personality, Stan, you're strictly just an honor personality. You have tons of interns at your disposal. You have producers you have writers so i well, that was one big adjustment for me when like i said going back to that 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 one-on-one -on -one sit down with with sarge he's like um what do you want to do um i asked him like um do we have a writers and he's like uh, he gave me this look like no there's no writers <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh okay so that was one big um, adjustment for me because i got used to as you're as the on personality you you are literally paid to present you have your news kind of spoon-fed to you. You have your content. You're just being a personality. That's why it's so hard to get into it. Out here, you have to really do everything yourself, which is good training, actually, so that you're prepared for anything. You're not dependent on anyone else. So that was that's actually another big difference, my man. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, how did you find Wave to begin with? Wave was... Another uh, another accident actually. So when I was I, I, when I was first out here, um, 2015, I was with my grandma, and we were just driving. I believe we were driving uh, around Tagaytay, and then I was just channeling through stations. I already knew Magic. I knew 89.9, and then I was I think I accidentally backseeked, and then it went to 89.1, and um, it was playing. It was play, the, the, whoever was DJing that they were playing Aaliyah, and it was. Um, Rock the boat, I remember, and I was like, "Whoa, what the hell is this? An R and B station?" And then my grandma was like, "Yeah, I think um, you know, that's one of the more urban hip hop stations." And I thought, "Okay, I'll give it a chance." I listened. I thought maybe they'll just they just I just happened to catch them on like a hip hop R and B break. And then it was just like banger after banger, and I was like, "Okay, this is cool." I was like, "What station is this again?" She's like, "It's eighty nine point one, I believe." So I did my research, and I. I went to every station. Um, I had my portfolio with me. I did a cold call. That's what we call in broadcasting, right? So yeah, I showed up and I went to Wave. I went to I went to your old station. I went to Mellow. I went to Play. I went wait, to no, RX. Wait, you go to Mellow? I went to Mellow. Yeah, 2016. I went to. I just showed up. Um, I went to every station. Um, um, 
every at least niche station out here that plays pop music. Basically, the English speaking station. English station, exactly, exactly. Um, but I knew Wave was my first choice, surprisingly, because of the music. So I just gave it a shot. Um, I went there, and it was still our old guard. Um, well, I already forgot his name, but uh, the- Kui Ed. Kui Ed, yes, Kui Ed. It was him actually. I went there, and he was trying to push me away, dude. He was like. I was like, hi. He's like, Sino Kasir. And I was like, um, I'm here. Can I please meet with your station manager? And may I ask uh, who he is? What's his name? You know, and I just showed up. And then he's like, sir, and uh, may appointment ka? And I'm like, no, no, I just wanted to drop off my portfolio. I just wanted to introduce myself. And he really didn't want to let me in. And then I was just, you know, being calm. And I was like, uh, is, there, is there a better time I can come by? And then finally, Kuya Ed, because I, you know, I was just being very pleasant to him. He's like, Sige, sir, uh, try mo ulit bukas, uh, 2 p.m. Be after his lunch break. So I went back. Came at 1.30 just to be super early. And then I was able to catch Sarge walking out. Obviously, I didn't know him yet at the time. Say hi there, sir. Um, good afternoon. My name is um, my name is Hidden Gems. I'm still introducing myself as Hidden Gems. My name is Hidden oh, Gems. Shit. Yeah, as in, uh, I'm, in I'm, I'm a former um, DJ on our personality, a broadcast major. So I was wondering if you would like to take a look at my portfolio. And then if it's to your liking, just give me a call. I would love to work for you possibly one day. And he was like, oh, okay, sure. He like opened it up. I had a USB and everything. And... He's like, okay, uh, I'll take a, I'll take a listen for sure, and then excuse me out. And then one week later, he gave me a call, and then he was like, um, "You want to go on H Town's show?" So I went on H's show. I was just like one of his guests. Can and you describe what H Town show is for context? <laughs> hype show. So, hype show was very um, is one of the very traditional classic hip-hop shows that we used to have um it was the same time slot as boys night out 7 to 10 p.m and uh you know shout out to h he was definitely a pioneer for us to kind of push that that urban sound out here he had a lot of great connections a lot of great relationships with a lot of opm artists not just here in the philippines but also in in, in the u.s he's from houston hence the the, the nickname h-town and I, I i was so nervous when i was invited to his show because i would listen to I would listen to the hype show. That show was after MK's show, um, four to seven, and then Danny's was one of four. I remember. I remember. I just, I just, I knew Waves' time slots and all the DJs by heart because I would listen to to the station um, religiously because I was a fan. And when I walked in, H introduced himself very, very politely. I went on the show. I'm um, talking about what I do, being a DJ, and then you know, being here in the Philippines, and then. I texted Sarge. I was like, hey, thank you so much for having me. Having me. And I never heard back from Sarge um, for five, six months, Stan. What? So I, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, I guess he just didn't like me or other than that. But then um, six months later, after my stint with Mix, um, I, I received a message from Sarge. He's like, hey, are you still in the country? And at this point, this was around May, May 2016. I was on fumes. I was running out of cash. Um, I, I, I was contemplating begrudgingly, like, should I go back to the States? Um, there's even a point where I was already interviewing at like companies like Citibank and other telecom companies where I was going to be a call center agent. Cause I was just like, I needed money, you know, yeah. I needed to work. So I get that message. He's like, um, are you still in the country? I'm like, yes, I am. And he's like, um, can you come by the station on, on, on Thursday? I remember that was like a Tuesday. And I was like, um, sure. So I was just thinking maybe this is like another opening. It's another interview. I come in. And then it goes back to what I was telling you earlier, Stan. I was like, hey, Sarge, what's up? Uh, good afternoon. How are you? Thanks for um, having me. He's like, Angelo, um, so what kind of show do you want to do? And I was like, what? I was like so <laughs> like shocked. He's like, yes, uh, I would like to give you the 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. slot. You'll start Graveyard. 
And I was like, uh, okay. And he's like, yeah, so come up with the show name and everything by tomorrow. And then let's meet again next week so that I can give you the parameters of how wave works. So one week later, um, I meet up and then he gives me that presentation. I'm, I'm not sure if he gave you that one too, where the basketball and everything. That's it. No, he did not. He did not. Yeah. It <laughs> no. was like, apparently I write a passage. I think this was like, you know, with old management, Sarge would have this, yeah, this really neat PowerPoint presentation about like how to be a DJ and everything. That was great. Um, and then I started, uh, I started the following uh, Monday and uh, funny enough, I was right after H town. And I remember that first day, I walked in and H is like, oh, are you here for another interview? I was like, no, dude, I guess I'm working here now. He's like, oh, shit. Good. Nice, man. Welcome to the welcome to the family. And uh, he's like, what time, what's your time slot? I was like, I'm after you. He's like, oh, okay, for sure. So I was like, damn, I felt so nervous. I was like, I have a tough act to follow. I mean, being after the hype show. So that's when I, I came up with the concept of the vibe and, you know, the music selection and all the segments I, I had planned. And from there, uh, that's how I got in. It took a long time, but it was just a big blessing because like Wave was always my first choice, and somehow, some way, um, thank goodness. Sh- uh, shout out to, to Sarge and uh, a lot of patience and diligence. I'm here now. <laughs> that six month gap is wild. I don't know what I yeah. would have done if I were in your yeah, shoes. Yeah, man. Uh, you really wanted something, and then you were yeah. there. You had you had a taste of it, and then six months go by, and no call, no nothing, no text, yeah, no whatever. Nothing. Feels like you got ghosted. Exactly, I got ghosted not just from Wave stand, but from like all the stations like um rx i had a call back i got interviewed twice never got called back um magic um i remember that i won't i won't go into detail just out of respect to them but uh i got i got i got, I got shunned out of that that station and uh so that was that and then play i remember walking in a play and i got the that was like one of the most i felt like i was like emperor palpatine or something entering the senate or that was the same story for most stations same with uh with play, I gave it to the program director. I don't even remember anymore. I remember walking in the play's office. Play's office is super small and it's like yeah, super tight hallway style. Right when you walk in, the booth is immediately to your left, and then there's just computers yep. to your right. Right. So I yep. walked in, and everyone's like giving me this glare, like who the hell? And then I just walked in, dropped off my portfolio, and then again, yeah, play. I never heard back from them, man. I want to talk about the vibe and its branding and how it all came about because that's essentially yeah. been your brand on Philippine radio. But before we get to that, let's <laughs> yeah, take course. another break sure. and let's uh, hear from another one of our podcasts on Podcast Network Asia. Hi, this is Sanaya and I'm a well-being junkie. It's true, I admit it. I love everything to do with mind, body, and energy. And I'm constantly on a journey of learning, exploration, and self-discovery. So I created a podcast to talk to experts, influencers, and thought leaders to be inspired by new ideas. So join me on the Project Loving Myself podcast, because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship you have with yourself. You are loved. So yeah, you're one of the few success stories where... I, I would say success oh, thanks, stories man. in the sense that you came in through the cold calls. You went yeah. in by yourself, no, no connections. connections. Yes, you didn't yes. know anybody, and you just shot your shot. And yeah, yeah. I have mad respect for that. Oh, thanks, man. Thank it's, you. It's really hard. Um, I understand this, this feeling because I remember when I didn't know anybody in the industry as well. Yeah. And uh, you, you story more of actually going to the guard and just leaving yeah. your resume, your portfolio. Yeah, man. I went through that too after I left Mellow because I realized Ops. how small my network was. So... I also met Kuya Ed, the waiter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I also dropped off an envelope, and he was. I'm glad and, you did, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I I really 
uh, could relate to the feeling uh-huh. na shit wala akong kilala yung guard lang talaga yung kilala ko sige iwan ko na lang bahala na yeah 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 exactly so, you, you, you're able to overcome that hurdle mm-hmm. you get a meeting with Sarge Sarge gives you the time slot 10pm yeah. to 1am yeah. and you know it's a time slot not exactly the best at least for me because I don't like staying out too late yeah that, that, that time slot was crazy the graveyard trip is when the, when the you know uh, when some of the weirdos come out <laughs> dude that's actually so that is not talked about enough with the radio yeah for some reason once it hits 9pm onwards the callers we get the text we get the we get the strange ones right like diba? yeah oh. <laughs> so it, it, it gets weird past 9pm or past 10pm so yeah, dude. Um, how did you deal with that and how were you able to find your voice while yeah. um, fiddling around with the graveyard shift which admittedly doesn't have as much pressure as your current time slot true true okay so first off it sucked because the first thing that h-town and then dash also who i met um met through h you know um they're telling me oh you got the 10 p.m to 1 a.m slot hey good luck with the little girl there and i thought like oh is there like another co-host they're like you'll find out i was like oh shit they mean they're is this place haunted they're like good luck and i was like i guess this is rookie hazing and that for me scared the crap out of me and i asked kuya ed too i was like maybe multo badito one coaster. I'm like, dude, why do y'all just trip and just tell me straight up? And um, <laughs> that for me, because I mean, when if, if if ever you were if you've been pa- at the station, oh yeah, yeah, because you used to do um the late night shift also. Um, no, I did the early early morning shift. Right, right, yeah, that too. So the night the lights would be completely off of the station. The only thing on is the booth. So you can imagine how like kind of scary you could be in there. So that was a big adjustment. And then uh, my 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 body clock was so messed up. I would be like sleeping at like four in the morning and then waking up at two. Um, Big adjustments were going back to what you were saying, Stan, with the 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 audience that I would have. I would have some people who would call in. I remember this one caller would call in. He would be whispering, like, hello, is this Wave? I'm like, hi, come How can I help you? Wave 89.1, what's your request? He's like, this isn't this isn't Dash. And I was like, what? I yeah, think I know maybe this you did. Yeah. Oh <laughs> you probably know, Stan. He's like, is, this is not Dash. I do not recognize your voice. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm a new DJ. Um, my name is Angelo G. How can I help you? Of course, being super, still a little naive and you know, very enthusiastic. I was willing to, you know, talk to anyone. You know, I wanted to build my my, my brand and talk to anyone who was calling. I was just so happy someone was calling at that time. He's like, oh, uh, this is this is so weird. Uh, Dash is, I, he knows that I'm his number one fan. It got like creepy and he wouldn't hang up the phone. You know, we're on air, right? And it was like a 15 minute conversation, no joke. Him describing me like what his dinner was, what his lunch was, and like what he did all day. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm sorry, I gotta go. He's like, wow, you're so different from Dash. He listens to me. I'm like, whoa, this is, yeah. And I was like, I was like, man, I'm like, yo, Dash, dude, you can't be like talking for 15 minutes to a, a caller, man. We gotta be working. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> that was one big adjustment going back to like the strange textures we would get and uh just um you know uh, it would it would be discouraging but at least just being the being there on air um i knew that there was as many listeners like you said there's not much pressure because the people we would get on that time slot were everyone from super late night you know work shifts heading home and uh the music was different yeah. you had to play a little bit more you know um me- slow jam slow jam snap. exactly so that was one big adjustment i was able to make more mistakes at least luckily so I think every everyone who gets into broadcasting right away, whether in TV or, or radio or even in film, you have to have those sort of time slots where you need to, um, you know, you need to practice and train and make those mistakes. So a time slot like that really helped, man. How'd you end up finding your voice as a broadcaster and as as uh, the host of the Vibe as Angela G? Where did that all come together? So at first, I mean, 
coming from San Francisco State, my training was purely journalistic, meaning I was so traditional and so formal. I was, um, I would always get, I would always get complaints from Sarge, like, "Hey, Angela, loosen up a bit. You sound like you're always wearing a suit and tie." But to me, I, I was like, I couldn't understand it because, like, this is. I thought this was broadcasting. Like, is that how you're supposed to sound? Like, you're supposed to be presenting super professionally. And it took a lot of time. It took a lot of months um, where Sarge would be like, over and over, you come back in the booth. He's like, "Angela, you t- you sound too serious. You sound too boring. You sound too uptight. Be more entertaining." And I just couldn't understand it. So. It took a couple months. I was still solo at the time. And then it all kind of changed when, um, when I was paired up with Dino, my old partner. And Dino is just, uh, lack of a better word, an explosive guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you know him also. Um, he's controlled frenzy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Sarge told me, he's like, um, I paired you with Dino because I need that hot and cold. I need that yin and yang. I need that fire and ice. I still didn't understand it, but then being paired with Dino, Dino pushed me a lot in a great way. And now I'm actually very grateful for it, for it um, because it allowed me to come out of my shell. And he helped me embrace like that inner wild side because, you know, Dino's lack of a better term again, uh, is a super goggle. So <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what I'm putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he knows it. Uh, he's, you know, he's my dude. And that's what makes him him. Um, he's such a sporadic and unpredictable guy. And unpredictability is a big key term that I've come to embrace that being on air, you have to still also find ways to be unpredictable. And because of him, I was able to come out of my shell and be and, and be more entertaining and have fun, have fun. Actually, that was one big thing. So because of that, I was able to have fun and I was able to take that branding more so with the vibe and embrace that kind of low key vibe. I mean, before when we were at the start of um, our, our, our partnership, our tandem, you know, a lot of people were, 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 were pinning us against boys night out, but I would always tell them, no, don't, don't compare the two. It's completely different shows because us, we talk about sex without talking about it. It's a lot of innuendo, as, as, as we would say, there's a lot of delicadeza. So we would kind of tease you. We were kind of like the foreplay, if you're, if you're talking about it in sex terms. We were the foreplay, but we would never get explicit with it. So we would just kind of, you know, let the imagination. You would fill in the blanks, per se, when we would talk about anything kind of uh, erotic or sexual. So that's how the branding would start. I'm glad you mentioned the comparisons to Boys Night Out because when you yeah, and Dino yeah. got together, you're two guys in your uh, in your 20s or early 30s, <laughs> and then you have that same that same feeling that oh, these are the guys I would yeah. hang out with over a drink and whatever, and that's what Boys Night Out initially went for all those years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. So, um, oh. what is the pressure like? Because I remember hearing those comparisons, and I'd be like, I don't, oh, yeah. I, I don't want to be those guys. Holy shit! Exactly, exactly. No, that's why I would always tell people. You know, it was humbling actually. Yeah. Hey, uh, Wow, you guys are competing with Boys Night Out, Sila Tony, Tony, Slick Rick, um, Sam YG. You know, I looked up to those guys, and even when I would visit here in the in, visit here for vacation, still living in the states. I knew about Boys Night Out. My my uncle was a big fan. He would that was our inside joke before. He's like, "Yeah, man, that was our classic, classic slogan." Um, so I knew I had to differentiate right away because the worst thing you can do is be a biter, especially in our industry, or someone that copies or imitates. Um, like, well, that, those guys are, they're just copying Nalang. And I was like, no, um, what I was always focusing on was more so the music. It's just the fact that with Dino's sort of um, perspective and his wildness and his, his uh, unpredictability, we had channeled that into certain segments and then make sure that the music was still um, that hip hop and R&B flavor. Um, and luckily, thank, thank goodness, um, I had great interns who came up with wonderful wonderful segments that allowed us to 
to get crazy without officially being as scandalous as like a boys night out or, or, or like um, good times with Mo, if you were going to do the comparison. So I embraced it. I embraced it where people were like, oh, that's the other show like boys night out. Because at least for me, I was like, yo, we're, we're same time slot. And um, we're younger than those guys. So we wanted to embrace <laughs> that. Hey, for all the millennials out there that are, that, are, that, that are looking for a show that represents you at this time slot, we're here for you guys. And that's how it all came about. So um, I always took it as a compliment when uh, we were compared to those two. So it was, it was good pressure. What was it like working with the interns? Because I was really surprised that you and Dino were the types of DJs who actually used the interns and really made sure yes, that the interns yes. worked for the show. So yeah. I, I came from a background where yung interns, like what you did in, in San Francisco, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, taga Timpla ng Kape, taga Xerox right. mga... Busy work. Oh, yeah, busy work, <laughs> right, as you would call it. So when, when yeah, I saw yeah. the interns, they would be like, hey, Stan, you want us to write your articles? I'm like, no, I don't need you guys to write the articles. I'll write my own articles. But that's because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really in in writing yeah, my yeah. own segments, well, props, writing props. my own yeah. articles for the news and all that. So I didn't need someone yeah, to do yeah. the busy work for me. So like for, you, for you guys, you. what was the mindset and how um what were the best ideas that you got from collaborating with the interns? For sure. No props to you, Stan, because I remember that when um, we were at the same time slot, and then I would um, ask you, like, hey, do you need to help um, for the interns with the news? You're like, no, no, I'm going to write my own news. I was, you know, that's when I knew. I was like, okay, okay, this guy has his own writing style. So I, I totally respect that. Um, I actually appreciate that because I guess for, for me, how I looked and uh, viewed the interns, I remembered being in that position, being stuck with busy work, making Templa the cafe, and then making Xerox of like random things that obviously the, the station didn't need. So I wanted these interns to, to, to leave their, to leave the, their internship, to leave the program, at least with something to say, like they're putting in all this work. And I would, I just honestly got sick of seeing the interns at the back. I just remember seeing this one dude, just taking naps, like drooling. So I was like, dude, like, you're getting credit for this. Like saying it. Cause I, I love molding, molding minds where, I mean, if you really want to get into broadcasting and, and you want to get into it. You're, you're an internship for a reason. I wanted to give back to these students. So that's why I created this program where I was like, I, with each intern, I created a schedule. They were assigned different tasks so that they would learn and see this is how it works in the business. This is at least how it's supposed to work. Where there, there are certain designated uh, news writers or at least news researchers, someone who to help um, create the program flow for the show, get extra um, materials for any segments that we had planned for the day. Um, because I was in that position where I would hate busy work. I would want to be a part of something. And I, that's why I always gave the interns that sort of um, creative freedom. Like, hey, I want you guys to take the initiative as well. If you have any ideas, tell me. And that's where a lot of the ideas for the show came in. Um, I had uh, most, actually, I, I'm sure I told you this before, 80% of my segments are created by interns. It's from all of their input. Damn. So we would have discussions and I would ask for them for their, um, their feedback. Why do they want it? Why would this be funny? Why would this be funny for their, their demographic? And it also helps. The interns are young. And if you want to keep um, your content fresh, you got to also listen to the youth and listen to college students, the ones that are working with us, because they're the ones that help provide. So I really wanted to take advantage of them because it's it. They're just sitting around and I would hate it when the interns would be shy to come into the booth. That's why um, I remember before when you'd visited the booth you know, during our show, we would have like five interns in there and they would all be working because I would want that sort of environment where it's like we're hanging out, we're talking on air but everyone's still working collectively together. It's a big collaboration. So that's how I see it. I want to ask about growing up Filipino in LA and uh, just managing those <laughs> dual identities. Yes. And you 
making your sure. way here to the Philippines as a Phil M, then working yeah. as an adult. Nah, you know, with, with the American sensibilities. We're, we're going to talk about that, but we'll take yeah. another quick break and we'll hear from our other podcasts sure. on Podcast Network Asia. Hey there, I hope you're all doing well today. My name is Kara, and just dropping by to let you know that I too have my own podcast. It's called After 30 with Kara Erigel. I talk about love, fear, relationships, career, sex, food, money, books, and how life is so much different and oddly the same after 30. So when you're done listening to this episode, go ahead and check out mine. Again, it's After 30 with Gara Erigel, available wherever you get your podcasts. See you there! So what was it like growing up Filipino in LA? Because you know, um, it is still a hot spot for the Filipino community. But Shepra, you've got that dual identity that you've got to manage. So born and raised in San Francisco, but I did go. I did move to LA for middle school and high school already. So, I mean, the two cities alone in California and the states um, have similar identities when it comes to Filipino pride and culture. One thing about being Filipino growing up in the states is there's sort of this. How do I describe it? And I learned that being out here for, for so long now um, in the Philippines, that there's this sort of identity where being Filipino in the U.S., is, uh, there's a lot of pride. It's like, yeah, Pinoy pride. Adobo, bro. Lupia. Pancet. But then um, you'd ask a Philip Philam, have you ever even been to the Philippines? Have you, can you speak Tagalog? Or at least understand it. Uh, it's being harsh. Or uh, are you in touch with your roots. No, bro, I've never been. Nah, Philippines? No, I haven't been since I was like two years old. And you hear that a lot. You have, you have <laughs> homies who like get the three stars all of a sudden in their chest. Like, damn, nice. Do you even know what that represents? No, bro, it's just uh, Philippines, man, Philippines. I'm like, uh, um, it's very frustrating because, um, look, I, I, I'm, I'm so proud to be Filipino. Um, wouldn't be here if I wasn't. And uh, I embrace that in the States and everything, but then there's this sort of convenience identity to being Filipino in the States a lot where people will just say, yeah, man, I'm Filipino. But then you ask them certain things about Filipino culture. They'll have no idea. When I first moved out here, I had some homies that were like, yo, dude, how's it like Manila? Like, isn't it like a jungle out there? I'm like, what? The? It's civilized out here. We have, we have buildings. You know, <laughs> do you see what, what I mean? Fuck? Like there's that, this, there's still that discrepancy. We're still viewed as like third world. And then the Filipinos who, well, we kind of course, are yeah, let's be real, but, let's be real it's, but it's like hardcore third world, like as if we're like still like holding our bolo knives and like chopping through, uh, you know, cane trees or something. But it's not the case. You know, we're civilized. We're, we're getting there, I hope. Um, so it, it's tough because people will always uh, assume that. Um, so being Filipino in, in, in the States has that those qualities where um, it's not as I wish it was more mainstream um, Our like. Filipino food in the States is so expensive. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. Um, you get a topsilug over there in the States. Like the it's like the equivalent of like 450 pesos out here. That's, that's for topsilug. That's without a coffee too. So it's considered exotic imported, imported food in, in the States. So those are big differences. Growing up in the States, you, if you're t telling people, uh, oh, you're Filipino. Oh, I love adobo. Oh, you're Filipino. I love, I love pants it, right? Pants it. I'm like, 
Uh, yeah, yeah. You just have to kind of live with a. We get put under this like stereotypical umbrella, where we have a mom that speaks like this. Joseph, you know, Joe Coy also helped. Uh, I guess you know, really. Before him, Rex Navarrete. Rex Navarrete, dude, I'm a huge Rex Navarrete. I watched him live in San Pedro before. Um, I have his DVD, I have his DVD, um, Hello Pinoy, signed and everything. Um, that kind of became our identity. Uh, Filipino Americans, where it's like, oh, we could do the accent, we can do this. Uh, you know, we love we love R and B. Um, so I knew I wanted to branch out of that eventually. If anything, um, my Filipino upbringing isn't as traditional. My parents are very young. Um, they had me when they were only eighteen. So I have very young parents uh, who migrated there because um, my mom had to give birth to me there. A better situation and everything. So I grew up very Americanized. Um, my dad was the only one who cooked. Uh, you cook Filipino food here and there, but um, I grew up mostly in uh, neighborhoods where it was. Um, lack of a better term, very whitewashed, very diverse, but still very whitewashed. So, so very suburban. Very suburban. So the Filipino, Filipinos I grew up with were already super Americanized already. Um, so if anything, um, I was the most, more, more Pinoy than any Filipino there because I would still come back here. I was here for vacation during our summer breaks from school every, yeah, every year. So I would, this was always my second home. But vacation is so much different from actually living here. That's why when I moved out here, permanently uh that was a big wake-up call i was i was like damn it's really different and what shocked you the most shocked me the most was the the first thing that comes to my mind is the change thing um i get you give you give a big bill and then they're like sir may suklika and i'm like sorry wala they'll give you this look yeah i'm like, <laughs> I'm like okay or if i'm paying paying for something it's like um 100 pesos i give 500 Sir, and I'm like, sorry, wala. Ito lang eh. Sir. Yeah. I've been offered the candy in exchange. I have. Smaller, I, I was uh, like, give me like a Max's menthol. Like, Ito na lang, sir. I'm like, this is this barter? <laughs> like a trade. <laughs> I was culturally shocked, dude. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. And then. Yeah, for the listeners, Angela's rolling his eyes because, like, yeah, uh, yeah. people can't see it. But, but, like, the look, I know yeah. the look. Yeah, I know right. Too yeah, well. <laughs> the look. It's like, it, it, it comes, you know, um, look, I. It, if you're if you're thinking, wow, grab Angela, you're sounding so like ignorant or culture. No, it's not that. It's you have to understand these sort of mannerisms come out from unfortunately some lazy aspects of, of Pinoy culture. Um, I actually posted this about a month ago. I was at a supermarket and with COVID now and everything, right? Strict protocols, social distancing. You gotta line up. You gotta wait. Yeah. Uh, I was in line and then um, there was this older woman who tried to i'm sure you're familiar with this story stan you've seen it like whether you're driving she tried to do this like sneaky back cut she looked she did this look uh, i know yeah. people can't 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 see this but by innocent oh but innocent looking around you know and then i'll just sneak just sneaking in with a shoulder uh-huh. so I, I, I know what that is that just happened right? to me at, at medical city just last week so i know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about well i had a at a hospital, out yes. of all places, right? <laughs> I know exactly what you're describing. And then they exactly. think that just because they're an old lady, hindi mo papatulan. Kahit sila yung mali. Oh, exactly. Oh, oh, tama. And I was like, I was looking behind me. Um, so I was like, okay, maybe she's just, I give it, give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she's just looking at the sign or something. Sure. Or two guards. That look, she was still there. And then I politely, um, miss, excuse me, there's a long line here. Um, if, I think you're going to have to go to the back of the line. And then the guard finally came up, and the guard was a little bit more abrasive. You know, he's like, "Mom, young line Selena." I think he was just pissed too. So they called the mom, like, and she's like, "Oh, what? 
I did not know. Um, <laughs> I thought ko this was. I did. I did not know. You're feigning ignorance and shit. <laughs> I, yeah, and I was like looking at her. I was like, really? You're gonna pull the playing dumb card? So I posted that. I was like, why as a culture? Why do we? Why is the playing dumb defense always a like an automatic instinct? And why do you think you can get away with it? It's just. It's so funny to me. It's so sad, actually. So that was another big thing, like where is this like this plane? When you're driving, I remember driving through a one way in, in like one of those scout streets in in, in Timog. This guy was already driving, and then my uncle honked. He's like, "Oi, one way, bato? Oh, talaga? Sorry, di ko alam. Grabe, naman. Like he was getting mad at my uncle for being mad. It's like my uncle's like, "Dude, you're the one in the wrong." So when that's just so sad, you know. When when Filipinos are in the wrong, they just always the defense is, "Well, I didn't know," or you know, I guess it just stems from that. It's really funny that uh, we're talking yeah. about this now. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, man. Yeah, like uh, I grew up here. I've I've been here all yeah. my life. You yeah, yeah. moved here what several yeah. years ago, and you yeah. know, we're, we're feeling the same shit. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't think it's a matter of oh, because Phil am kakayagan experience. Oh. Like it, it's really something that has to be called out, right? Exactly. Um, I remember when I when I first uh, entered Wave, I was so intimidated because I always had this idea of Wave being the Phil Am station. Like more than the other stations, like way yeah, I've heard that. I've heard station, that. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And and um, I meet everyone. I met uh, Danny, Scratch, yeah, yeah. Naya. Uh, I met Casey way before I joined Wave, and right, Casey right. was gone by then. But I always had yeah. this image. Now it would yeah. be like how Casey and Jimmy Muna are. Now you've got mm-hmm. these boisterous, rambunctious Phil Ams. Now yeah, uh, yeah. Now, but I, I just wouldn't be on the same wavelength, right? Whatever. And I meet you, and you're formal <laughs> as fuck. I mean, like, you're cool, <laughs> but you're formal as fuck. And I'm like, okay, Angelo is my guy. Like, I can, uh, I, I can thanks, get along man. with this dude. I got you, bro. So, like, um, in a way, you kind of helped me uh, break that stereotype, that Phil Am stereotype. And I think, I, I think you know what I'm talking about. Na parang, For sure. Oh, they, they always have to be cool, always speaking English, and they always have to assert <laughs> themselves that they're, like, better, better than you. And for us here, you mga locals, I don't know how to explain it better other than... Siguro there's an inferiority complex. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, America yan eh. So he probably yeah. knows more. It's, in, it's ingrained, unfortunately. And I, I'm so sorry on behalf of on behalf of all Philams. I don't know what happened. And I get it now. You know, I get it now why it's like that. Because I, when I first moved out here, Stan, and, um, you know, I appreciate that you, um, that we got, we got close that way. And um, always know I'm here for you, man. Because I, I, I know that feeling. When I first moved out, moved out here and then, I was told about Wave. They're like, yeah, that's the uh, that's the Amboy station. Yeah, the Amboy station, and I, uh, exactly. And I was like, oh, I'll fit right in. But then um, I get it because what happens is when Filipino-Americans come out here, we come out thinking like, kaya natin to. We're, we come from the States, first world. We're raised there. We have a better out perspective on life in general. We come out, We unfortunately, there's this ingrained mentality that comes out. We're here and automatically we can be heroic. We can help you out. We can. We'll, we'll show you the way. Manifest, manifest destiny. Manifest white man's destiny. Burden. Right, right. Unfortunately, that's the realities of it. And I, I admit, even early on in my career out here, I would um, subliminally and subconsciously be, be trying to do that with radio. I'd be like, oh, sorry, just actually how we do it in the U.S. Let's do it this way, you know. And another thing. So going back to like you know, so like in other philams who who move out here, I, I urge you guys to um, to humble yourselves and to. Learn that we're the foreigners out here. Even though we may look Filipino, we may have Filipino blood, we may even know how to speak Tagalog or any other dialect, but we got to adjust. We're, we're the foreigners now, and, and, and it's people like Stan, actually, that we should be listening to, the ones who grew up here. 
we're not better than you guys at all. If anything, we need to learn and um, become better that way because unfortunately, that stigma will always, always be there. And I always have a lot of Philam friends who ask me, how is it like in the St uh, Philippines? Because they saw me do it. I think I'm going to move there, man. It looks like it's easy. I'm like, dude, it hasn't been easy at all. Until now, I still have my challenges. I still have uh, my difficulties penetrating certain markets or, um, you know, me, I can speak Tagalog, but not the best. And I know that, um, that hampers me from getting certain gigs or certain, um, you know, avenues in other places of, of, of my career out here. So I know that'll always be a handicap, but you work it to your, uh, to your advantages. So I always tell um, other Philams who come out here acting all like, you know, like, Filipinos like again it goes back to Filipinos growing up in the States there's that there's that superiority complex all of a sudden um they're growing up there and I'm, I'm sorry to say this but there are so many Filipinos who suddenly move to the States and then you you revisit them five years later when they're all of a sudden making dollars they got a big house they got all the cars they're, they got all the Louis Vuitton purses and they act so superior all of a sudden and think that they're white it's so true I don't know what happens they start supporting Trump too and then it's like Damn, it's so they forget the roots, and that's why I always tell Philams, and not just Philams, but Phil Cans, Phil Aussies, anywhere that you know Filipinos didn't grow up here that grew up. Yeah, basically else. the halfies. The halfies, yeah, yeah. Um, that hey, humble yourselves and learn to adapt. That's one big thing. Learn to adapt and to cater your whatever. If it's your music taste, the way you speak, your humor, to to Filipinos out here, because unfortunately, I would I would hate to break that stigma because until now I still get that. Intimidation when I get hired or people talk to me. Oh, Philam Kapala, they, 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 they try to talk to me in English and I always insist, Magtagalo ka na lang. I can understand, it's okay. And then, oh, sir, salamat, okay, okay. I'm like, no, I, I want to be with you guys. I'm not trying to compete. So, that's all yeah, I, I just want to make it clear here on the yeah. podcast, on the record, nah. Um, we're not taking a shit on anybody in particular. We're not yeah, taking yeah. a shit on the Pinoy's. We're not, not taking a shit on the Phil Amps who are in showbiz yeah. or mga kilala natin. Like exactly. We, we name-dropped some folks that we have yeah. worked with or that we work yeah, with, yeah. but it's not to say that we're taking a big collective shit on them. It's just that Definitely it really not, goes yeah. both ways. Eh? So yeah, like you yeah. described how uh, there is supposed... or uh, When you're a Phil Am coming here, yeah. the onus should be on you to adapt, right? Exactly. And I, I wholeheartedly agree 100%. Yeah, yeah. For us, man the onus should be on us to get over that inferiority complex. <laughs> right, right. Now, just because your accent isn't neutral or just because uh, you didn't go to San Diego State University or wherever <laughs> the fuck. Or, sorry, I thought of Kawhi Leonard right there. Uh, but but like, just because you didn't go to some Ivy League school, it doesn't yeah. make you worse than the Phil Am. Like, you've got yeah. a different perspective. He's got a different perspective, or she does. Well, you collaborate yeah. and use yeah. it to your advantage instead of um, thinking that one is better than the other because that's not yeah. necessarily the case. Exactly. Actually, you know, you, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. Going back to Filipinos here, though. Yeah, yeah. Here's, that's a good point. Uh, um, don't also shun us away because we have a lot to provide for you guys. I know this is also with our nightlife scene. Just because we did I think it's a com competitive thing again. Um, you know, we're here also to, um, to share something new. So I... I I would encourage to Filipinos who get intimidated just because the person grew up somewhere else to um, collaborate more. Um, don't shun them away. No, ayoko na dapat Pinoy lang tayo dito. Like we're still all Filipino. Let's uh, let's collaborate. Like let's all love one another. Like the it can get toxic actually where you see you see it on social media and then you know like oh he's not even from here, doesn't even understand. Like well we're trying to you know we 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 want to and let's work it out that way. So. Be a little bit more open-minded. There you go. <laughs> As Generally. we wind down here, I'm getting to the, uh, my last couple of questions. Sure, I want sure. to talk about um, you 
being already there in the US and then for a lot of us here at Pinoy, yeah, the yeah. goal is to get there and then you were the right. one who came out here. backwards. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and you you forge your own path, or as I would say it, binigyan mo sarili mo ng problema. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, Stan. Actually, I'll say that in You're you're living the American dream and shit, and then you, yeah, yeah. you came out here. So why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> okay, so I'm asking you this as a friend, by the way, not no, no, to, like mock you or whatever. <laughs> no, of course not. That actually, I love this question because people always ask me. You're not the first time. They're like, "Bakit nandito ka? Nasa America ka na? Like, why?" And I was like, "Okay, so first off, I came out here." October 2015, I graduated from San Francisco State. June 2015, I had that hiatus where, you know, as everyone who probably has felt this way after college, what am I going to do? Am I going to still do my major? Am I going to take a gap year? I had all of those coming-of-age questions, you know. I was very confused. At one point, I wasn't going to pursue broadcasting at all. So I got a call from my mom in October, and she's like, hey, um, one of our titas passed away. Can you go to Manila um, to be the representative? And I was like, okay. Um, for some odd reason, I had this – cliche um cliche sort of um what's the word there when you have that um epiphany there you go yeah yeah <laughs> and epiphany dude i was like oh, this is different you know and i hadn't been back in like two years because i was still in school um i was like okay um i'll go to the philippines when am i gonna go back my mom said um you can come back in november i guess i'll just get you one long ticket i was like okay all right and at this time a lot of people don't know this but i was so bitter mentally because I had gone through a really bad breakup with someone. So I was like, fuck, Interesting. This, fuck this shit. I'm going to show, I'm going to show her that, you know, what she, uh, what she, what she walked away from. So being very emotional, that's it. I think that kind of drove me to um, the stories. So anyway, going back, um, I remember I was at actually um, LAX, LA, LA airport. I made a list of five close friends that I called. And I called them up one by one. And I was like, hey, I'm at the airport. They're like, oh, what's, what's up? And I was like, I just wanted to tell you that I might not see you ever again because I, my gut tells me I might want to try things out in the Philippines. I don't know why. They're like, what? Wow. Every, every, five call, every, five, every person that I called was just like different reactions. They're like, good luck. I wish you the best. They were just our confusion. So I was here in the Philippines about one week, two weeks in, and I was just so happy here. I was at peace of mind. I forgot about everything in the States. I was with um, my grandma. I was like, it was just working out nicely. And I gave my mom a call and I was like, mom, um, just cancel my return flight. I'm going to just stay here. And, Shit. She, and she was like, what? Are you sure? And I was like, yeah, mom, I don't want to go back. And she's like, okay. Wow. She was like, okay. Enough. Um, all right. If this is my mom, um, you know, she's being so supportive. She's like, oh, okay. If this is what you want. All right, then. Uh, okay. And mind you, I didn't, I did, I never had that closure with my family. I left my mom, my brother, my sister, my dad. You know, they were all sleeping when I left. Um, my mom was the only one who dropped me off the airport, so it's still something that haunts me until now. But um, that, that, uh, that was my goodbye, my last goodbye to them back in 2015. And then I stayed here ever since. And then those six months, as we talked about earlier in, in the show, were so intense, sporadic. Um, I was doing such oddball jobs. I was DJing at like random Japanese bars and in Ortigas. Uh, I had a stint and mix. I was a top 12 finalist for the 2016 batch for the, the vlogger search. Um, yeah, again, going back to the different cold call stations I was doing. Um, yeah, um, I just took a leap of faith and uh, been here ever since. So, Were there any, any regrets? Like it, it's, uh, I mean, from my perspective as a yeah, Pinoy, yeah. Sure, uh, sure. born and raised, like, um, you've got everything set. You graduated yeah. from a legit college or a legit <laughs> Thanks, university man. in the yeah, U.S. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you got over um, 
the whole getting your citizenship and everything because you had the passport. <laughs> diba? yeah, so yeah. Parang, did you ever have any regrets na maybe I should have stayed? Um, the only regret I have, and this is just being realistic, is um, after figuring this out and finding this out the hard way out here, is just the salary, really. <laughs> when I learned how, <laughs> how lowly earning by peso is, man, um, here's some perspective, guys. I have three jobs now, one being a teacher, at Sessions Academy Manila, teaching radio, and then two, working for the city of Tagig as a consultant, and then three, working at Wave. What I earn here is less than what I was making as a waiter in the U.S. So let that sink in. Fuck. Yeah, and that was minimum wage in the States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just talking to a guy in the yeah. U.S. over the weekend. Good uh, yeah. He's a server as well. Yeah. But, you know, um, like we were talking about money and shit, and I was like, dude, it's more Right, but I guess it's just all, it goes back to standards of living. Luckily, things are For sure. cheaper here in Manila, but, I mean, I guess recently, living in Manila is hella expensive now. But um, that's the only thing, I, if I was to say regret, it's just probably monetary reasons. But other than that, I'm very, very thankful and glad that I moved out here because I would not have... I would be a completely different person, you know, as, as corny as that sounds. The the motherland really helped shape me, and I'm so glad I was able to get in touch with my roots and find out who I really was as a person and really strengthen my uh, myself as a broadcaster, thankfully. So, realistically, no regrets other than um, money. <laughs> What's your favorite moment so far in your radio career? Like, an on-air moment that uh, really stands out that if this all was taken away from you tomorrow, you'll have that. <laughs> I'll have that. Wow, what a great question. This sounds like a pageant question. Um, candidate number one. Okay, you know... the How fitting because your partner is a beauty pageant. Yeah, true, true, true. Shout out to Gianna. Okay, so... What's up, Gianna? You know, for some reason, the first... This is the first moment that sticks to my mind. I don't know if I ever shared this with you. I think this is before, obviously, uh, you were working with us at Wave, Stan. This is what I got the... This is at the prime of when Dino and I were really... Daming kalokohan talaga sa show. Um... This is when we were still four to seven. This is when Dino was still fresh in the station. We had Thirsty Thursdays, and I wish you were still there with us when we still had it. I know we had it like near the end when you came, but at, at its prime, we were having live drinking every Thursday of every Thursday. Yeah, just straight up. Yeah, now I think about it. We were drinking every Thursday on the show. Shit. Yeah. Um, That's my type of Thursday. <laughs> yeah, so Thirsty Thursdays. And we had this segment called Truth or Consequence, which was designed by one of my former interns and students, Eco. And it was a show kind of like Truth or Dare, where we had different truths or consequences all written out on little sheets of paper. And you would make boonut and then take turns like that. And that was at 6 p.m. It was the last hour of our show. So I scheduled it that way. So it was like it would build up to that. And um, every Thursday, Zia and I, we'd have a different kind of alcohol. And um, we would take shots. If you didn't do the, if you didn't do the truth or you didn't do the consequence, you'd have to take a shot. And we would invite we would invite women to the show, so we would have like lots of chicks there, <laughs> just hanging out and everything. Uh-huh. I'm listening. And then, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, we had one night where I had my good friend uh, Sydney Philam visiting here in uh, the country. I told her, hey, why don't you come by the show? We have drinks. So every Thursday became like an open invite. So uh, if, if only you were there with us, every Thursday you'd see the station was packed. It looked like it was a moonshine on a, on a Friday night, I swear. Um, Jesus Christ. So people would come by. I should have left Mellow earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, people would come by. That came out wrong. I should have joined Wave way, way earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love you, Mel. Don't worry. Um, 
So we would have, we would have, um, uh, we would have uh, alcohol. People would come by. Um, also, shout out to Liquido Maestro. He would be our bartender, and he would come by and make drinks. So it was like a live show, broadcasting with 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 drinking responsibly. Of course, that was always our tagline. It was always responsible. So then I had my friend Sydney go by, and then shout out to I know she's your partner now, Debbie, who was under the alias Lily T before. Yeah, I remember. She, yeah, she would come by. And also uh, my, my, my friend uh, Sydney, she had her cousin, Phil M as well, come by Gap. So we had thir- three girls on the show. I told them, why don't you guys play Truth or Consequence with us? I was boarding. Dino was there. So we started playing. Um, the, yeah, they were very tame Truth or Consequences. All right, Consequence. You need to hug the person next to you for 10 seconds long. It's like, oh, okay. All right, Dino. This is before Dino and Debbie were obviously dating. So then... Dino got it. Oh, okay. And then the caller, this is where the callers would come in. That's why it became such a popular segment. The callers would have to call in and they, they would have to choose who gets the dare or excuse me, who gets the consequence, who has to do the truth. And people knew there were girls on the show. So then they would call, all right, um, let's have, let's have uh, Lily T and Dino hug. And they're like, all right. Ooh, super <laughs> corny shit. Oh, all right. Yeah. Round two. All right. You need to uh, share a shot with someone, something like that. That happened. Round three happens. Dino makes Boonut. Oh, okay. You need to kiss the chin of the person of your of your selection. And then the call, the call, the call line just started lighting up like crazy. People God started, damn. yeah, calling in. Someone what is that? Yeah, is that, exactly. And then um, started calling up. Hey, wave eight nine point one. Oh, um, we would we want um we want Sydney to do the consequence uh, with with Lily T, and then everyone's like, oh, everyone's gonna know. All right, girl on girl action. Um, sure, exactly. So they were being all shy shy at first on air. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I'm like, yeah, and like this is crazy. And then imagine this is Dino's first time on radio technically, and then I was trying to keep things good. It was a booth. We were also filming this. Yeah. And I was like, all right, um, you got to do it or else you got to take a shot. And by, by, by this time, the girls were um, a bit tipsy already because we were drinking before the segment even started. So then Sydney was like, okay, I'll do it. Fine. So then I was building it up on air. And I could see we were also on IG Live. The viewership kept growing. You know, this may not seem, a big, seem like a big number, but for radio, it's big. It was like 35 viewers simultaneously. It was growing to like 40. So I was like, damn, look at all these hornballs. Um, <laughs> so I was like building up. I'm like, come on, do it, do it, do it. It's like, okay. So then Cindy goes in to, to Debbie and just kisses her chin. And then here comes Debbie, grabs Sydney's chin, and then they, they start making out on the show. What the fuck? <laughs> and then I was like on air instead. I was like, oh my God. And we were already overtime. I had to play commercials, dude. I was like, I don't want to get, I don't want San Big Light to get pissed at us because two girls are kissing they're like oh oh my god oh and like i can just see the viewership going up and i see flav flav running flavomatics yeah running from the back of the booth danny running back what dude what what, what did i miss i was like guys uh we gotta come back we gotta come back we gotta take a, <laughs> we gotta take a quick break i go to commercial and they're still kissing and stuff and everyone's like yeah and then i see dino dino looking at me and then we finally go back on air. And I'm like, yo, welcome back. Crazy things just happened. Lily T started making out with Sydney. Welcome to Truth or Consequence right here on The Vibe on Wave 89.1. Dino, how are you feeling, man? He's like, um, I love my job. <laughs> 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 and he was just like quiet. 
and then I think, uh, honestly, I think that was actually backfired because Dino got so crazy after that. He's like, oh my God, if I'm able to have girls on this show. And that was just a- Imagine all the fun yeah, I could exactly. have. exactly. <laughs> that was just one memory because that was like, uh, that, that had like a peak of just wildness to like us. Uh, Stan, I know it was, that was a long story, but that was just, wow. And then I remember the day after Sarge talked to us, I heard you guys had a really good show and, uh, you know, um, every, all, all, you know, H town was messaging me, MK, you know, Mark, um, was like, yo dude, Mark Thompson. Yeah. yeah. He was like, dude, um, I heard what happened. Okay. Okay. Like they're like, like, damn. Or I was like, yeah, dude, thirsty Thursday. And that was such an infamous, uh, infamous part of the show. Um, so yeah, that was probably one good memory. I'll, I'll, I'll never, I'll, I could, I could, I could say that like that was like one, one, one funny moment that uh, yeah, to take away from what you're. I think the only takeaway I want is I want you to show me Sydney's Instagram. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I can send it to you after. Sure, sure. So you guys, um, as we as we wrap up here, uh. You know, um, I'm sure our listeners want to get in touch with you sure. and check out everything you've been doing. You do a lot of good work on oh, Kumu thanks, and on the show <laughs> and you. with the pasta. So uh, let our listeners know where they can catch up. Okay, for sure. Uh, first off, Stan, I just want to say thank you so much, man, for having me. It's been a lot of fun getting to catch up and sharing a lot of stories. Um, you guys can catch me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also on Kumu. Like Stan mentioned, just add me. Here's my handle. It's one word. This is Angelo G. I'll be mixing live again on Kumu for Kumu Social TV, a.k.a. Kumu Spotlight. It's the first main channel that you'll see when you have the Kumu app when you log in. Every Friday for the month of uh, October, starting next week, uh, October 9th. So you guys can see me through there. And also, I simulcast the vibe through Kumu each and every night. So you don't need a radio to listen to us. You can also watch and hang out with John and me uh, each and every night, Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Um, and yeah, uh, hang out with us there. Um, also, regarding the pasta, for anyone who loves uh, spaghetti bolognese, aka like a really good uh, meat sauce, or if you like a good white sauce pasta, I make a mean fettuccine alfredo. Hit me up. Uh, I started my own food business. It's called OG Pasta. We deliver every Saturday and Sunday. Shout out to all the people, family, and friends who have been supporting me. So um, please hit me up. The social media handle is at OG Pasta. That's Facebook and Instagram. And that's about it for me, Stan. Thank you. All right. Angela G, thank you so yeah, much man. for going overtime with me. This is, a, I think this is a, an Angela trademark as well. <laughs> but I don't mind. I mean, I, I enjoy the stories. Um, I, I just appreciate you as an individual. Oh, thank I you, love man. That you're, I love that we're part of the same team. I for really sure. hated that you weren't with us in Bali last oh, year. Oh, I know, I, man. I know. <laughs> I felt like you and I would have had a lot of oh, fun there. Sayang, I know, dude. And I just can't wait for this whole pandemic to blow over right. so you and I can just catch up in person and uh, kick back a couple of beers. Yeah, so, for thanks, sure, man. Brother. Thank you as well, Stan. Thanks again to Angela G for joining me on this week's episode of On Deck. You can catch him and Gianna every night on the Vibe Primetime from 6 to 9 p.m. on Wave 89.1 and on Kumu. You can also check out his pasta business at OG Pasta PH on Instagram. My family and I tried their spaghetti bolognese over the weekend and I loved it. So go check it out. Before I get out of here, I just want to share a quick way for you to help support this podcast. And that is through your online shopping. I know nakagagaling lang natin from a 10-10 sale over the weekend, but even though there is no ongoing sale, you can still use my Lazada affiliate link to go to the site or to the app. So just check out tinyurl.com slash ondeckxlazada. Again, just click this link, tinyurl.com slash ondeckxlazada, and every successful checkout and every item that gets delivered to your doorstep leads to a small commission 
for both Podcast Network Asia and for me. And that helps keep the lights on here on the podcast. So there. The link will probably be alive for as long as they keep it alive. And that's not going down anytime soon. 10-10 sale, 11-11 sale, 12-12 sale notwithstanding. And hey, if you're also a fan of pro wrestling, please check out the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. It's a show I co-host alongside my friends Ro Moran and Chino Liao. And this week, we've got an interview with NWA Women's World Champion Thunder Rosa who's also appeared on AEW Dynamite. Really excited to bring that podcast to you. And on Thursday at 7 p.m., we've got our regular live streams on facebook.com slash wrestlingwrestlingpodcast and on Kumu at wrestlingwrestlingpod. So please check it out. It's time for me to get out of here. So big shout outs to the Podcast Network Asia family for always helping us keep these podcasts going. Special shout out goes to babyface producer Nikai Locanias for helping me put this episode together. And special shout out to you. Thank you for subscribing, for downloading, leaving a five-star rating, and telling your friends that this podcast about Filipino radio actually exists. Next week on the show, I'm talking to an industry veteran. The great Long Tall Howard of DZWB Superajo joins me on deck, and it's going to be a very fun conversation where we take a look at his career, which started all the way back in 1968. Damn. Really excited for that one. Until then, though, I gotta get out of here. My name is Stan C. saying thank you very much, and I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.